Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, so given what we are going to talk about at the start of this week's episode of AEW Ups and Downs, I just wanted to bring in a sign of my own. Because that's right, I mean it with every single ounce of my body. I mean, I don't think I have ever meant anything more in my... T- <laughs> Not that sign. Where did the other one go? So, bloop, men in black, flashy thingy, forget everything you just saw. Hello, my name is Siren from What Culture. AEW did just have one hell of a show. So let's take the finger of power, get the good bits it up, and the bad bits are down. Don't kiss your finger. So yeah, look, in the first few minutes of AEW Dynamite, there was just a bunch of ups and down signs, and I actually watched all this, and I basically fell on the floor. So we had one at ringside that said, Simon, give this an up, courtesy of Oli Inc. So Oli Inc., you are absolutely going to get an up, although actually we're just going to combine these into one number, because otherwise it will get crazy. There was another one that said, scissor me, Simon Miller. So absolutely, let's pretend this is you, and this is me. We do the whole scissor thing. And another said, Simon deserves a contract. Now, there's two things we need to talk about here. One, it just said Simon, so maybe it's not me, and maybe I'm being an arrogant Alan, but also, it didn't actually say what I deserve a contract for. So maybe he wants me to be some kind of plumber. Damn it. If you know that other thing, I shouldn't have said that. Honestly, though, I cannot say thank you enough. There is nothing cooler, and I genuinely mean this, than tuning into a wrestling show and people going out of their way to make science in relation to myself or in relation to the show. So like I say, you do get an up. I don't care. When we bring down the counter, it's up to 11 which is so dumb. And some people even tweet me saying there were more signs, but I didn't see them. So again, I just clasp my hands together and I say, thank you very much. You are wonderful, wonderful people. And there was some wrestling too, but who cares about that? <laughs> I'm kidding. This was Hangman Adam Page versus John Moxley and flubbed me sideways. This rocked. And it was also a bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to all those people that go, AEW doesn't have storylines. Well, they had one here. John Moxley had concussed Adam Page and now he was back. But was he going to be able to survive? The answer was yes. It died in almost instantly as well because Moxie was going for that giant lariat, which did knock Hangman Adam Page out. But because the cowboy was so mad, holy crap, they just kicked the life out of each other. Like at one point, they were smashing each other in the face. And I was like, man, these two forgot what wrestling is. John soon decided he knew how to get in control and he started to rake Hangman's back. 
as well as biting it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's an arrestable defense when he just hit German suplex after German suplex. Hangman then smashed out and exploded from nowhere. But just when he was going to go for the buckshot lariat, John Moxley hit him and Paige went flying into Barry Barricade. And even the commentators were like, oh man, we've got brand new versions of Barry Barricade. They're reinforced. And I was like, right, yeah, damn right you should have done that. Poor Baza gets smacked every week. Let's just get getting crazier and crazier, because like I say, they were just hitting each other so hard. When Moxley did bust out that lariat spot, I don't think they tried to hold back at all. The cowboy just went down in a crumpled mess. He kicked out at two. Moxley was then being booed at this point, and he did tie into it because he started to flip everybody off. And hey, look, if you want to turn him heel soon, you probably could. When the cowboy got Jonathan on the outside, and he did his big moonsault. And even though this took out Moxley, Adam Page's head also went smashing into Barry Barricade. And this is what I did. It was like I was watching some kind of damn horror movie. Also, I have cut the breath off from going into my nose and I'm going to pass out. He then went for another box shot, but he missed that. So Mox was like, right, I'm done here. And he hit all the elbows and he applied the choke. And he scored with the Death Rider. But not only did Hangman Page kick out of that, but when Moxley went, right, that does it. Boom. And gave him the path driver. Hangman kicked out at one and everybody went crazy. This then went the other way too because Moxie got hit by the dead eye and he was like, <laughs> that doesn't do anything for me. And then they just kept slugging it out before Paige did zoom in with the buckshot lariat and he pinned Joxley for the one, two, three. That's right, I just called him Joxley. I didn't mean to do that, but you bet you ass. I'm now going to do that forever. And do not forget that when it comes to Jox, he don't lose that much clean. The Doxer was also out instantly after this, and even though Paige was able to walk away under his own steam, Mox was all wibbly-wobbly, as the commentators were like, well, that didn't look good at all, so now we basically changed places. And there ain't no way this is done, and nor should it be. It is getting it up. Tony Schiavone was then in the ring, and he was all like, but it gives me no pleasure to introduce the person I do have to speak to next. And I assume he did this, because we're going, oh man, it's going to be Maxwell Jacob Friedman. But it wasn't. And here came the returning Adam Cole. He had some good news and bad news. And surely he has to be a babyface now. Because he started by saying, look, I've been on the shelf a long time. And I went through a horrible period in my life to the point I never thought I was going to wrestle again. And the whole time I just had people saying to me, Adam, we don't care if you wrestle again or not. We just want you to be okay. And that touched the man. Genuinely thought this was lovely. The bad news, though, isn't aimed at him and it's not aimed at the fans. It's aimed at the AEW locker room because Adam Cole is back, baby. And he's about to go and kick everybody's ass. And I basically had tears falling from my seeing devices this. It was so damn nice. And he even said that Adam Cole has been reborn. And not only is he going to get back to where he was, but he's going to surpass that smash through the peak. This was just an absolutely fire excellent promo and not only did it make you root for the man but it was just we were so damn pleased that he has finally returned and we should just ride this wave from this point because Adam Cole is just so likable. He's like the nicest guy in the world and if you have five minutes today you should watch this because by the end of it you just be like please please give me a hug because you're a weirdo. The acclaim were then backstage and they said come Friday they are going to be getting a star on the Walk of Fame. Huh. They said it's going to be next to the likes of Roseanne Barr, Donald Trump, Alec Baldwin and Johnny Depp. And I don't think they picked those names randomly. And this has made me quite intrigued. The hell are they going to do on Rampage? Also, for some quick housekeeping as well. No, we are not going up and down every segment anymore. 
Because if you tuned into Raw Ups and Downs, did you see that mess? And it broke the whole idea of the show because the counters didn't really level up to how I felt about the program in its entirety. So we will find a happy medium instead. I'm just letting you know and sure, go crazy in the comments. I mean, you're so biased. I'm still waiting for someone to pay me off. It's been years now. But as ever, Anthony Bowens, Max Caster and Danny Ass just some of the best things on wrestling TV. Jungle Boy and Hook were then taken on Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. And the best thing about this is that we are calling Jungle Boy and Hook Jungle Hook. That is so bad, it is absolutely brilliant. Jack Perry and Lee Moriarty started this off because they were wrestlers doing wrestling things. When Hook got the tag, he just grabbed Lee and he was throwing him around the place. He just does this so effortlessly. And he has that wonderful hair. Sandy Jack was then desperate to do a dive because it is professional wrestling and we are in the modern age, so you have to do that. But he was way too keen for this because he went zooming right into the arms of Big Bill, who was like, ha ha, I'm really big and my name is Bill and I'm going to slam you into the ring apron again. I suppose Hook had seen that from a couple of weeks ago. and was like, no, not on my watch. This is my new friend now. So he did stop that. But this didn't help at all because then for a good old while, Bill and Lee just kicked the crap out of Jungle Boy. He also yelled at Hollywood actor Ken Yong, who was in the crowd. And that was totally surreal. And it's going to get even weirder later. When all of a sudden Jungle Boy was kind of able to wiggle out of submission and he saw Hook's hand. He was like, man, that's a good looking hand. And he tagged him in. He once again just grabbed Moriarty and was hurling him around the place before Bill was like, man, I'm sick of this. I'm going to sort it out. And after a bit of a tete-a-tete, Hook grabbed Big Bill, who is called Bill, and is really big, and he gave him a suplex too. And this was so well done. Because not only was Hook like, yeah, that's right. I told you I could do it. Bill sold this wonderfully. And of course, the fans loved it. I mean, Bill really did sell this like he'd been robbed by a ghost. He was like, I cannot believe what's just happened. And after Hook had taken him out with a dive, Jack Perry applied the snare trap. Lee Moriarty had to tap out. Jungle Hook and one. So this was just a fun match, and I tell you, Jungle and Hook together, they do have something to them. We should probably plan that in and giving it up. Reddy Paquette was then backstage with Dan Housen, Orange Cassidy, and Golden Globes winner, Paul Walter Hauser. Oh, it's kind of interesting. Apparently he is going to do something on Rampage, which is even more crazy. And after these guys had a chat, Paul was all like, oh man, are you guys still buddies with the best friends? When in walk Chuck and Trent, and they're like, yeah, we're all cool. And everybody seemed really happy. So I suppose something could be brewing there, and we went straight from this into a big video to remind you that our main event is the last match of the Best in Seven series. And just to give you a small spoiler with that, it is flubbing brilliant. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. There's also been all these rumors this week that AEW is planning a big push for Takeshita, and given what happened next, I tell you this, I totally believe those rumors. Because when he was making his entrance ready to fight Brian Danielson, who interrupted him? None other than the world champion, MJF. So he's hanging with the top dudes, and the first thing Maxwell did was be like, oh man, yeah, I kind of recognize you, but not really. I mean, I don't actually know who you are. So he was just being the internet troll. You see this all the time. There'll be a bunch of like positive comments saying, oh, I love this particular person, and this individual is great. And then some stupid Ed walks in like, well, I don't even know who he is. Do you have to? No, there's lots of people in the world. He also called him take a shitter, so he really was being somebody that resides on Twitter, but he also said, listen to me, man, I need you to beat Brian Danielson later, because then this whole Iron Match thing is done, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. The best part, though, is that Takeshita was taking none of this. He said something in Japanese, and when Freeman insulted him again, he basically went, nah, listen to me, you absolute goober. If you don't get out of my face, I'm going to kick your ass. And I was like, yeah, you get him, tack, you get him. For some reason, MJF then told Aubrey Edwards to put Takeshita on the outside so he could continue his promo, and the ref was like, yep, you better go and do that, which made no sense. When he turned his attention to all this negative criticism that there's no way MJF can last 60 minutes with Brian Danielson. You can already see where this is going. He was like, well, I tell you who you should be asking that question to. Your skank girlfriends and your mothers and say, how long did they go with MJF? We are back to the sex jokes. He then went back to Ken Jong and was all like, oh, it's the guy from the Hangover movie. But don't forget all these failures you had. And that wasn't very nice. When he turned to Freddie Prince Jr., who was also here, and he basically did the same thing. Because he couldn't remember the movie She's All That because it was released back in 1996 when he wasn't born and was also the last time Freddie Prince Jr. was relevant. And I never thought that film was going to be brought up in ups and downs. But as it has, I have major beef with it. The whole story is, here's some kind of nerd who's not attractive. And then one day she takes her glasses off and, oh my gosh, she's so good looking now. She was good looking the entire time. The whole premise doesn't make any sense. He also called Prince a Scooby-Doo douchebag, which I did actually think was quite a good line. And this is when Brian Danielson's music hit and MJF just ran as fast as his legs could carry him. This guy totally gets it. I enjoy him every single week. 
giving it up. It also meant it was time for Danielson versus Dekeshter. And I'm sorry, these two dudes aren't human. What am I doing? But they were just going crazy with reversals as they went from blue thunder bombs to headlock takeovers. And then they just engaged in a chop battle, went from nowhere to Kesha was like, man, I'm done with this. And he smashed Danielson with that lariat. And it actually went, because I'm a cartoon character. Danielson didn't care and he got the underhook suplex and finally applied the label lock. But after DeKestra had got to the ropes, Brian hit one drop kick in the corner. He hit two drop kick in the corner. And when he threw for three, DeKestra grabbed him and slammed him with a blue thunder bomb. And that's when I got my plug and I pushed it in and I was like, let's go. That sounded terrible. Brian was still able to flip out of the corner where he hit his own live as well as a dive when these two idiots started tussling on the top. And I cannot handle it with wrestlers like this because you never know what they are going to do. And it actually ended with Takeshita hitting this massive clothesline from up there. And when Brian hit the mat, I was like, well, that's it, he's dead. They were just throwing themselves at each other on the floor and they were both going into Barry Barricade in the most disgusting way possible. When Takeshita grabbed Brian Danielson and he gave him a brain buster on the floor. Oh, it's just his dad again. It's like, somebody please have a talk to this guy. He's already got a bad head. We were then going in and out of more label locks and we were smashing each other in the face. And after Danielson had decided to go for the elbows, Dekestia went, actually, I've got a great reply to that. He just killed him with this German suplex. It was just nine, 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 nine. Dekestia then realized that worked quite well, so he went for round two, but he shouldn't have done that because Danielson landed on his feet. He hit him with the big knee when he applied the regal stretch. As we have learned over the last few weeks, if you get stretched by Regal, you're going to pass out. So both the guys look absolutely incredible here. I don't care that Dekesta keeps losing because he is going to get his big win. And you can just smell that there's major plans for both of them. Honestly, by this stage, if you don't think Brian Danielson is one of the best wrestlers ever, you ain't been watching his matches up. And then we had a Juice Robinson interview. He's back. And he basically challenged Darby Allen for the TNT title on Rampage. So we are going to do that. And I was all right with this. I like Darby. I like Juice. And if they ever became a tag team, they would be called Darby Juice. That's something that I'd like to drink. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Soraya and Tony Storm was after this. And let's just talk about it. Because no, Mercedes Monet, aka Sasha Banks, was not here. She wasn't in the tag match. She didn't appear afterwards. And because of this, and because of people's expectations, there are a bunch of sad pandas now. And I get it. Nobody wants to be a sad panda. The thing is, I can only talk it from my own perspective. And over the last few weeks, where I saw all the apparent teases and the apparent rumors, well, I never thought she was going to turn up. Therefore, I wasn't disappointed. And I know Britt Baker dropped that boss line last week, whenever it was. But let's compare this to CM Punk. That was so on the nose and so wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's definitely coming. He's definitely coming. That in comparison, there was barely a whisper when it came to Mercedes. I'm just like, all right, fine. She didn't sign. And I know that makes me an idiot and I do apologize, but I am an idiot. If you've been watching this show for any length of time, you are more than aware. It also did kind of backfire a little bit because Tony Storm and Soraya had been such dicks to Sheeta last week, and they were dicks, that when they came out, they were kind of the bad guys, whereas Britt Baker and especially Jamie Hayter were treated like they were coming out with money and they were just going to give millions of it to the audience. We also continued to book Jamie Hayter as the powerhouse, which is always a smart move, and she was dishing out double suplexes at one point. And also, there was this time when Tony Storm was on the outside when Britt Baker snuck up and she gave her a neck breaker 
to teach her a lesson, breaking necks. Bree and Jamie then spent most of their time throwing Soraya and Storm into Barry Barricade. Once again, this LA crowd's like, yeah, yeah, do it some more. When I think Sheena had realized, wait a minute, I got mugged off last week. She came to ringside. All of this did turn out to Soraya getting the hot tag, but once again, everybody was so much more into the other people, it was kind of funny. And the major thing you need to take away is that Tony Storm took a phoenix down during this. She was all of a sudden back on her feet. She logged in the clover leaf when Jamie Hayter decided, nah, I don't like your face. And she gave her such a big boot. I thought her skin was gonna melt off and become goo. But they went move crazy because it was just maneuver, 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 maneuver. And the tag and hit, ah, so everybody was in there. When Rebel decided, well, there's a lot of madness going on right now. Why don't I distract the ref when Sheeda threw her kendo stick into the middle of the ring. Now, Baker got to this first, so she slammed Tony right in the back, and that's when Jamie was able to hit the hater aid, and she pinned her, and surprise, surprise, the referee turned around, and we got the one, two, three. But I started stroking my non-existent beard, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Even though Sheeda is acting like, oh no, I didn't mean to do this, she could turn heel, that's something we could do, and then you've got Britt Baker, then you've got Jamie Hater, and then you've got Sheeda, then you've got Tony Storm, and you've got Soraya, and they would need a third person and I wonder who that could be. So maybe we just need to get past a certain February date for New Japan and all your dreams are gonna come true. I also thought this was very entertaining though, as long as you were able to get rid of the Sasha Banks stuff. And as I've already told you I was, I'm good at that. Up. Ortiz and Eddie Kingston were having a chat next and it was basically like, I don't like you very much anymore because you don't trust me. Well, I don't like you anymore either because I don't think you trust me. No trust. And they do have a match with the House of Black on Friday on Rampage, which I'm also looking forward to. And this whole feud has essentially been people going, don't question me. It's like playing a game of Professor Leia. The Jericho Appreciation Society were out next. This kind of went a little bit sideways. That's not because it was bad, but it's basically because wrestling went wrestling. Now, Chris Jericho did get on the microphone. It was all like, oh my gosh, the JS is having such a great time right now. We were at the PWE show. Anna JS and Ty Mello keep kicking everybody's ass. And as for that, Andrew Andre and that Ricky Starks, we've taken care of that problem and we don't have to worry about it anymore. I was like, I don't think that happened at all. And and Starks also disagreed with this, so this is when they walked out. And Action was all like, listen, if you don't shut up, I'm going to stick that baseball bat up your ass. I was like, please don't do that on television. I don't want to see it. He also started throwing out some insults as well as telling Sammy Guevara that he can't control his wife. Because, of course, she was handing out low blows recently. And while people were kind of into Ricky Starks and Action Andretti, they also really liked the Jericho Appreciation Society. This is kind of weird. The best part is when Ricky got on the microphone and said he wanted to talk to Jake Hagar. And he was like, look at you in that stupid, stupid hat. And, of course, when Jake responded, he was like, I like this hat. I think this hat is truly wonderful. And therefore, now I must fight you next week or I'm going to knock your face off your face. Never forget, that's the greatest insult ever. And it is massively important we do keep doing stuff like this because Ricky Starks and Action Andre need momentum throughout 2023. But I do admit this went a little long and some of the barbs we tried to fire didn't really hit. It was fun though and just the atmosphere for all of it made everybody feel like a big star, which again is the whole point here. So I am going to give it an up. I mean, some people's reaction to this was kind of crazy. Which brought us to our main event. Holy shit. And of course, it was the end of the Best of Seven series, and every single person in this is just on another level. Because, of course, we have had seven matches in total, and every single time they've just come up with something new, 
And I'll never understand how they did it. This was also a ladder match, so it was even more insane. And yes, Kenny Omega came out wearing the IWGP US Championship. As we also learned, even though it is a trio's title ladder match, you only need to grab one of the titles then you win. As soon as the bell did ring though, ding ding, this went absolutely crazy because you had dual backstabbers, you had a slingshot cutter, all of a sudden Phoenix was doing a frog splash when Nick Jackson was like, I'm going to do this drop kick and I'm making it 10 times worse by using a ladder. Matt then got jealous so he absolutely killed Penta with this destroyer when Kenny Omega was taking out everyone with snapdragons. But when he went to do the Terminator dive onto Pac on the outside, Pac just went, well I don't really want to be hit by that. So he stepped to the side and flipping Kenneth went through a table. I tried to catch my breath at this stage but I wasn't able to because then Matt Jackson was diving off the top rope and he cross-bodied Pac who went through another table when all of a sudden the other side of the ring Nick Jackson was doing a dive. That was on to Phoenix too and by this time the masked man was sick of being ruined so he then went back to the top rope and he gave Nick this hurricane rana and Nick's leg went right into the ladder and I was like that's it that hammer string is never going to work again. I don't know if I'm Italian. Everyone just kept going bonkers when Matt was like well I can join in with this and he did his three northern light suplex the last of which was throwing Phoenix into a damn ladder when Nick Jackson had gone back to the top rope and he hit a 450, I think onto Penta, maybe it was Phoenix, I don't know, but he was on a table on the outside and it just exploded. I was just Santa Claus here, <laughs> but inside I was crying. Matt then finally decided, oh, I should go for the titles, but Alex Abrahante stopped him. So that's when Brandon Cutler got in there. He gave him the cold spray when Kenny Omega rang in and he took him out with a V-trigger. Of course, the hammer was always going to get involved. So when Kenny Omega was trying to win again, Pat got it and smacked him on the hand. When I kid you not, he hit a falcon arrow onto the floor. I was actually offended by that because the damn noise that it made. For this stage, it was just a mad scramble for the titles. But you know, these Lucha brothers, they were like, oh, I know what we can do. We can come up with some kind of platform using the ladders. And of course, it meant when they were ready, Penta got Matt Jackson in the fear factor position and he slammed him onto this ladder bridge and I was done. This is what happened to my back and all I was doing was watching it on TV. This also led to a massive tease that Phoenix was now going to be able to win the thing when Kenny Omega stopped him and he hit a one-winged angel off the ladder, which also was just truly, truly brutal. And by this stage, everyone was dead, everyone was broken. Omega looked around, he was like, oh man, this is true. He scaled that ladder, he grabbed the titles and for the second time, the elite are the trio's champions. I was kind of glad it did end here as well because if escalation is a thing, this was going to keep going up and up and up until somebody did die. But seriously, when you take this and you take all the other six matches, there's only one thing we can do because you have to understand the risk and you have to understand the talent and you have to understand the sheer spectacle to pull this off. It doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. And at some point in the near future, I'm going to watch all seven back to back. I mean it. So they truly are masters of their craft because this was totally amazing. And I tell you, from top to bottom, this was a fire episode of Dynamite and the LA crowd was just so loud. I felt like something special had happened. Even if it didn't, it's getting it up. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you thought about last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. Like the video, share the video and subscribe. Head over to whatculture.com where we'll keep you up to date with all the wrestling rumors. Follow us on social media at WhatCultureWWE and time for the 316. We have a lot of other videos, some of which are ups and downs. I'd love to see you there. My name's Simon for What Culture. Thank you very much for joining me as always. You take care of yourselves, and I'll see you soon.